Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. Whenever I read books, you know, and anyone's like, oh, you won't believe this, it's outlandish. And I'm like, wow, you've never really sat with my grandma or my dad because <laughs> the most outlandish things are the ones that are true. Hello and welcome to The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple. And on today's show, we're heading south. Kelly J. Ford is on the show. The book is Real Bad Things. And this one is a summer read to enjoy. Let's just not waste any more time and get right to it. Into the green room with my special guest, Kelly J. Ford on The Thriller Zone. Oh, as my grandmother used to say, Lord of mercy. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Kelly J. Ford in the house. Yes. It must be early for you. It's nine o'clock. We're on opposite. Oh, that's not early. Okay. I always get my time zones messed up. I'm just assuming it's always uh, seven hours or something out there because um I text with Amina, who you've had on Amina Akhtar. Yes. <laughs> She's always like, look, I haven't had my coffee yet. And I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> She's a hoot and a half, isn't she? Oh, my God. I love that woman. Yeah. Hilarious and generous and just an amazing person all around. Aren't we in one of the coolest little, well, in high school, we used to call them clicks or, but I mean. <laughs> Baby, aren't we in the coolest click being writers? We really are, especially <laughs> crime writers, I yeah. think. Having having gone through several writing groups, I can say the crime writers are the coolest and the funniest. Have the best sense of humor. They you know, for people who delve in the dark, they really are the most fun. Um, because I, I had a little spell when I was hanging out with some romance writers. <laughs> And they're a whole different breed, Kelly. I know. I'm, you know, I love romance novels, and I, I've met some it, some of the authors, and they're fun. <laughs> they're <Yeah>. fun. <laughs> Wild women, love them. Well, we have so much to talk about today. Definitely. Uh, as I was uh, drilling down, I learned all kinds of things. By the way, the book <laughs> is real bad things. And Kelly, I got to tell you, <clears throat> are you a Chris Isaac fan? I, okay, so not totally, but but you know what I'm talking a, about. Yes, yes, right. absolutely. He did a Wicked. song, yeah. yeah, Wicked, exactly. Oh my god! All right, he did a song back in the day. He did a bad, bad thing. Is the song, mm. and every time I pick this up, I hear that song. Bad, bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, it always reminds me of I don't know if you watched it, but True Blood by oh. uh, Arkansan native. Charlene Harris, uh, so do real bad things with you. So I have the theme song always, and I don't hate that. I look at it this way. Any association is a good association exactly. because because they're drawing it back to you. That's right. See, you I know? was strategic. <laughs> I really wasn't. That was luck. <laughs> hey, by the way, just in case I need to, and I, I don't, I won't be hating on it. If I need to put a little rated R square up here, I, oh, I'm happy yeah. to do it. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> no cussing. Okay. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is I, I have followed you on Twitter and I read something recently. I'm not going to relate yeah. it, but uh, you leashed out and I was like, God damn, girl, you go. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a mouth on me. Yeah. I've been you, told. <laughs> uh, ain't nothing wrong with that. All right. Let's start with this because I learned uh, this is funny. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, do I want to? I want to say this. I got a special surprise for you. Oh, I love surprises. And tell Kelly hello when uh, we've got an event coming up. And uh, here in Arkansas. Is that Eli? Yeah, hang on. Doing a little joint deal. So tell her I said hello that day. Okay. (laughs) Yep. She is from Cedarville, Arkansas. She'll probably tell you she's from Fort Smith, but she's actually from Cedarville. Oh, I'm (laughs) going (laughs) to. That's pre recorded. Uh, I, uh, I, we were talking about you coming up, and he goes, Oh, I got some Kelly stories. And I'm like, Oh. (laughs) We started with that, did a little record on that. 
Oh, Eli's great. And he has an amazing book. He does. And he's such a cool guy. I had so, so cool. much fun hanging out. He reminds me of where I grew up. And this is what I was going to say is I thought, okay, I want to see where Kelly's from. And I checked mm-hmm. you out. Your pop, your, um, the population Now this is in 2020 was 1400. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> so then I thought, okay, let's compare that to the town that I grew up in. Well, where I was born, which is a town called Tobaccoville, North Carolina. Okay. And their population was 2,500 back in 2020. So you are officially smaller than me. I know. And I, yeah, I mean, I graduated with 20 other people. Wow. It was, our junior high and our high school was all one building. It was, but I loved it. It was great. It was in the woods. Blink and you miss it though. Yeah. But you know, there's something about uh, people from humble beginnings. I'm going to use that phrase that I like because uh, most of them will always stay exactly who they are. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I grew up around some people who grew up in bigger cities and they turned out to be a-holes and, uh, you know, just really never changed. Um, but that's beside the point. Anyway, <laughs> Cedarville, Arkansas. Yes. And if you get a chance, watch uh, the show with uh, Eli because we get to do, and we're going to do this with you right now, yeah. actually, uh, a new feature we're f- uh, having on the show called Show Me Your Writing Space. Okay. We got to see the lake and we got to see his office, which is in shambles and his dartboard. And I'm like, okay, I want to see Kelly's writing space. Yeah. Are you in I'm that gonna now? Com- I'm going to compete with him. I'm in Vermont now, so um, this is not Arkansas, but Vermont right. reminds me very much of Arkansas in many ways so i'll show you my it doesn't look like i have a ton of of books but i do they're all downstairs sure. i'm in a my writing loft so i'll show you oh, oh. i don't know if you can see because it's a little foggy today but in the distance that, that is, is monadnock in new hampshire yeah. that is beautiful girl so, Yes, yes. It's very, it's a very green. Oh, no, now it's a disaster. Um, It's very (laughs) green. It's very lush. But, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's just amazing. It's, it's like Arkansas without (laughs) the people. (laughs) That sounds terrible. (laughs) But, you know, the conservatives, like I'm basically in the bluest state in the bluest county. So, um, you know, it's a long way from Arkansas. Yeah. And what, uh, yeah. And what brought you there? Um, Honestly, it was a free ride after college. Uh, I had a friend who um, we worked together at the Walmart, like everyone does when you grow up in Arkansas, it seems. And um, yeah, it was the big college workplace. We all worked there. We were all employed by that. And then um, she, she was at a different college, a private liberal arts college. And I was at state school and, um, her parents were paying for her to move up to Boston because she just, she hated Arkansas. She wanted to get out. She was really cool. Um, Jennifer Wellborn. And she had like shaved hair up to here and everybody like, she was just not Arkansas, what you picture. And so she was ready to get out and her parents were thrilled to have someone who would go with her. So, um, so Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and just we just took off. We were waiting a little bit and we were watching the Rosie O'Donnell show of dating myself yeah. and sitting around in Rogers, Arkansas, up near U of A, just waiting for her parents to be ready to take us. And uh, finally, we, we we saw that the Newport Folk Festival in uh, Rhode Island was playing and Joan Baez was going to be there. So we were folk fans. So we're like, yeah, let's totally go. So yeah. <laughs> that's that was our official first night in New England was uh, sleeping on the side of the road waiting for the Newport Folk Festival, which we did not get into, by the way, because we did not realize that you had to buy things in advance because in Arkansas, it's just available. Sure. You so. just show up. Yeah. All right. Now, I also understand that and I'm so bummed that I'm not going, but you're going to BoucherCon next I month. Am. Yeah. You're you're speaking somewhere, right? Yeah, I'm on two panels um and i'm reading at noir at the bar on friday night so that'll be fun nice i would love to be able to say i'd love to say that i'm going but i can't make it this year however next year it's going to be right here in my backyard i'm so excited 
because of the tacos. I mean, also BoucherCon, but the tacos. <laughs> the tacos are the best in San Diego. The uh, tacos and the craft beer capital. So okay. if you like either one of those things, you're right at home. Perfect. Question. Um, yes. How many rejections did you get before Chris Bucci? Correct. Bucci, yeah. Before he said, come on, girl, let's play. <laughs> well, he, he was my second agent. So um, I know people don't talk a lot about that, but it's actually very common, as you probably know, yep. that many of us are not on our first agent still. So, so Chris is my second agent. And so luckily with him, it was really only two, I didn't have any rejections once I went with Chris. So I can say that uh, because I knew him through friends, my, my good friend, PJ Vernon, who wrote Bathhouse. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah. So, but for my first agent, it was, I think a little over 40 agent rejections over maybe four years, but there was maybe 10 to 14 years before that, where I was still writing and revising, um, because I worked full time in it and I just didn't have time to finish it. So so it was, a, it was a long process overall in those four years of 40 rejections were me taking it, getting feedback, seeing what I could do to make it better, uh, more palatable, not palatable, that sounds terrible, <laughs> <laughs> more palatable to your taste. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but with plot things, especially in pacing things, um, once I got the same feedback, you know, you can kind of tell when someone knows what they're talking about and when you know you need to pay attention to it because you start to get that anxiety. It's like at first I'm like, screw you, that's you're wrong. And then the very <laughs> next day I'm like, actually, you have a point. So uh, <laughs> so I did a lot of revision in between those rejections. Chris, I don't know what you think you learned before, but you don't know it now. <laughs> He's such a good dude. I did not. Uh, He's he, so great. He was at Thriller Fest this, I think I saw him at this past year, but I didn't get a chance to say hi because he was just swamped by people. But uh, you're in good hands, as they say. Good Absolutely. For and how about, let's talk about the relationship with Thomas Mercer because uh, Thomas and Mercer has, they, I know they've been around a while, but they just seem to have really uh, upped their game, picking up big people like you. And what's what's that relationship and procedure and process like for people who are trying to get in any kind of representation? Mm -hmm. uh, what's that like? Yeah. I mean, Thomas and Mercer has been great. And I think what makes them great is they're looking outside the bounds of traditional or conventional genre. Um, so naturally, of course they have that because they also want to make money. <laughs> Not that you can't make money off of me, but who knows we're trying this. Right. Um, so, you know, it's been great to see who they're taking chances on different genres and, um, lots of writers who are on second books, which you hear all the time. If you're an aspiring writer, like, oh, you know, kind of like with records, right. Sophomore slump or band. So you know, I feel very grateful and also just being, I'm an IT project manager, so I love structure and schedules. And so naturally as an imprint of Amazon, I'm getting a lot of the structure and scheduling that makes my heart go pitter patter. So they're just great. It's like, what's your day? Oh, I know my deadline. I know exactly what I'm going to do at all times. Oh, look, they gave me actual information about this process. I mean, it's incredible. All right. You gave me a little whiplash. <laughs> we got to go back. You're an IT yeah. manager. I, project manager. All right. Yeah. That for some reason I was, I don't know what I was picturing. I don't want to be uh, rude or cliche, <laughs> but you, you know, you have such this wild renegade spirit, which I so adore about you. And then <laughs> IT, <laughs> I, that's just, uh, what, what, what's that called? Cognitive dissonance. <laughs> uh, reminds me of my wife who, Tammy, <clears throat> she is all about structures and procedures mm -hmm. and spread. She actually gets spreadsheets. Oh, and I'm like, Ooh, I mean, I break out when you use the phrase checkbook balancing and, uh, <laughs> I mean, I get that too. I get that too. I think I, I like to separate it out because, you know, people love to have that 
answers, plotters conversation, but really with the beginning of anything I write, it's basically just vibes, right? <laughs> just right. whatever I'm feeling. I'm going to put it on a page. I'm going to see what happens. So I have more of this free form spirit. But then I would say, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, but by the third draft, your finished draft, I'm like, you know, I have never finished a draft. I don't even know what I'm writing on the third draft. So I feel like by the time I'm at the fourth draft, I kind of have a better template of what the final book might be because I have so much trouble with plot because I'm so into vibes that that also goes into a lot of my my reading preferences too. I love really um, in depth books with character development and setting and description. You know all the things that a lot of genre uh, readers don't love. So for me, I really need to trim a lot of that back and make sure it makes sense and the pacing's at the right place it should be. All right. So not to belabor that point, although you brought it up, which uh, is really cool. There are, and it's so, one of my favorite things about this podcast, and we're only, we're into our second year now, is that the authors that come on the show talk about the difference between plotting and pantsing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm trying to remember, there's a few people... Dean Koontz was on the show recently and he goes, wow. David, I don't know about uh, this pantser thing, but I always write with my pants on, you know? <laughs> That's the the most appropriate response to that question. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, I, I have to have that once I get into that fourth draft, I have to have my bullet points and I have it on a whiteboard. I have it written down in a notebook. I have it in my notes app. I'm just constantly refining and trying to make it what I want it to be. Um, so yeah, it's, it's nice that I can do both. So the project management piece really helps with setting goals and priorities and all those boring things people hate to talk about, but are necessary for writing and publishing. I don't think it's boring at all, to tell you the truth. Matter of fact, I'm going to pull up. I You did a post yesterday. Excuse uh -huh. me while I uh, look away from the camera, but I, I did a um, you did a post yesterday that I loved. Yep. And it was just a simple thing with your uh, whiteboard. And I made a comment about how that is so essential. And uh, I'm going to have to drill. I, I've got to drill. I got to scroll through so many Eli Craner mentions. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> here it is. Uh, write it. Re number one, write it. Number two, read it. Number three, fix it. Number four, repeat. Now, before anybody goes, well, damn, Dave, anybody knows that. I'm like, yeah, okay. But, and I wrote solid advice for any writer, simple, efficient, mandatory. And, you know, sometimes we, and golly, I have done this, Kelly, you, you know, you go to a conference or you go to a, a training class or take a workshop and you get all this plethora of systems and analysis and um, uh, structures, and you've got to do the seven points. And then there's the three act play. And then there's the there's more of those than just about any kind of iced tea, right? And what nail what always annoys me is I'm like, whatever happened to just kind of sitting down and going with the groove that's inside you and trusting your own personal process? And if the story is there and it is good as you know it is, it will come out and someone it will receive it and be impacted by it and you're on your way. Is that too simplistic? I don't so I mean I think it makes sense to me that a lot of aspiring writers, especially, but even people like me who are published, who like a formula, we're looking for what can help us. And so I think in many ways, at least from my experience, it can be overwhelming. I'm taking in so much information and not just research about a book, but like you said, there, there's software to consider. There's this, there's that. And then once you add in, say, feedback from workshop, you've just got so many voices in your head, whether it's from the media you're reading to try to learn or the people who are having subjective feedback about, hopefully subjective, about your work. Sometimes not, right? <laughs> um, I've had that experience. So um, so I think it's easy to become overwhelmed. And I've taught um, a project management for writers class for a few years now. And one of those things is it never 
it's never hard for people to understand that you have to write it and then revise it. Like many people actually still don't know you need to revise it. So this isn't the lesson here. You got to revise it. But, um, but the main goal with the class is just to finish it. Like that's your, your number one thing, because that's what most people who want to be writers never do. So the fact that you're finishing something you started is extraordinary. If we're thinking about, you know, the specific definition of that, you're doing something that other people, ordinary people aren't doing. So hooray for us, but they always, always are so overwhelmed And so in project management, it's the same way when I'm doing, I work um, like construction stuff as well as IT. And so it's constantly like, you know, you want to build a house. Oh my God. It's whether you believe it or not, everything floods into your head about what can I do first? So we break things down. But at the end of the day, it's just like, you have to push these things away. And sometimes you just have to write. You just write. Yeah. You're just right. And so I think being able to put blinders on. And when I wrote this yesterday, I had all these thoughts in my head because I'm in the developmental edit stage right now for my next book with Thomas and Mercer. And I was having anxiety and taking edibles, <laughs> which helps. <laughs> um, and I'm like, just freaking write it, Kel. Yeah. Like, calm your body and <laughs> just write it. So. And put on my t-shirt that says, say yes to edibles. But anyway. <clears throat> yes. Um, speaking of which, side note, uh, I have found that sometimes if you enjoy those, and they're legal here in San Diego, you're, mm-hmm. when you sit down with a great thriller, it takes on a whole new world of its own. Doesn't it? <laughs> it just calms my head. I can take it in. Yeah. Yeah, I won't say which book I was reading this weekend, one of those, but <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um, I was, uh, now I, I apologize because I am a recent worshiper at the altar of Kelly J. Ford. Say hallelujah. But I did, I don't know Cottonmouth, which came out in 2017. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it became like an instant hit, became one of 2017's best books of the year by LA Review. I mean, first of all, and we're going to, we're still going to get to, uh, don't forget, real mm-hmm. bad things. But <laughs> can you tell me what, um, how you, how you receive, how Cotton Mouse was received, how it evolved, and, and what's it like to shoot out of the gate with that kind of accolade? Well, I will say, and I edited this in the press releases too. I'm like, it wasn't instant. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I like using that so, word. Um, I just, I like yeah, to beef know, everything up. Yeah. I know. Um, no, everybody says it. And I'm like, no, it was hard. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I actually, when it was published, my publicist had quit. My editor had just quit. So really I, I had no mainstream, I had no mainstream press for Cotton Mouse. I had barely any mentions. Um, I don't even know when my publicist quit because I, I learned it through an auto email responder. Oh, so, shit. <laughs> so it was, that's why I'm always like, no, it wasn't instant. It was hard work and a lot of red wine. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it didn't, it, it, yeah. you know, but um, it, I did some bookstore events here in Boston. Luckily I am in a very large writer community so I could get, good, you know, first day sales or whatever compared to, um, you know, sometimes, but it, it, there's only so much, there are only so many books that your friends and family can buy. Correct. So, <laughs> or that the Boston office or, you know, audience is willing to buy. So I didn't have much outside of, of boss, the Boston area. And so, my plan was just to go to festivals. And I think that was one of the, it was the most fun and it was the best thing I did because I got into different areas. So, and just like two or three, this is not talking a lot, but the, the important thing about it was that it Gaithersburg book festival, which is in Gaithersburg, Maryland is amazing. Like everyone should be watching their virtual events and wanting to go there because they are the most lovely people. And there's a huge crime community in that area. Excuse me. And, um, Gaithersburg, you're saying? 
Gaithersburg Book Festival. It's amazing. The nicest people. Um, but they also, they're, I mean, it feels like the whole town just comes out and loves books. They just <sighs> love books. But um, I don't know if you know E.A. Amar. Um, he's a crime writer and he has a book and a galley right now. Out. He's also with Thomas and Mercer and we have the same editor and um, I can't remember the name. I'm so sorry, Ed, but he invited me to my first noir at the bar. And so through noir at the bar, I got an Ed, I got to know all these other people. And then um, God, my brain it's not quite working today. Um, Where's my gummies? I, Mama, get my gummies. <laughs> the problem is I had my gummy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I met all these great people who were involved in the in the crime community, and they were telling me you should really go to BoucherCon. And when I had mentioned this um, to someone earlier in, in the industry, they were saying, no, no, I don't think your book is crime because my books don't really fit into a clean category of like mystery, thriller, whatever, apparently I've heard. This is alleged told to me. Okay. Um, so I never thought about it, even though my friends were like, oh, maybe you should do this. And so it was confirmation like, yeah, if these are the people that are at BoucherCon, I'm totally going to go. So it was, I feel like there's a point to my story. <laughs> I feel like Cotton Mouse really started to grow through my going to Gaithersburg and meeting those folks and being encouraged to, to go to BoucherCon and believe that what I was writing was still valid in a genre world. Um, and so through, through BoucherCon is where I met, Folks like Sean Cosby, who's, God, amazing. Uh, John Verger, gorgeous writer. Um, all these people who have books out, you know, Kelly Garrett and then Amina, of course, Amina Akhtar, uh, Eric Pruitt, who's also with Thomas and Mercer now. Just really, really nice people. James D.F. Hanna, he invited me to a rural uh, noir at the bar where I met so many other people. It's just like this, this fun thing where you just do one event and I know people hate networking, but I'm like, networking is just being nice. Just having conversations, asking people, Hey, what's your name? What, what do you like to do for fun? Right. And so I did a lot of that. And through that cotton mouth kind of grew from word of mouth. And then the one place that reviewed me <laughs> happened to like it and put it on their end of year list. So that was my long story about cotton mouth. <laughs> okay. So we'll say a semi somewhat pseudo pop, almost nearly just next door to an instant hit. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good enough. Instance. So overused. Why anyway. not? Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, you made a comment about networking, but isn't mm. isn't a good party networking when you think about it? Because networking it has always been to me, um, I want to meet cool people who share interests uh, that I share and uh, who like to have fun. Mm -hmm. And I think if you approach any networking event like that, now I'm not talking about going down to your... Um, I'm not trying to slander anybody here, but go down to your nearby Holiday Inn IT conference mm. with your suits on and blah, blah, blah. I'm not talking about that, but generally speaking, mm -hmm. it's really about like-minded people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a little, if you're approaching a conference in terms of, do you think I'll sell a lot of books there? You're going for the wrong reason. You're going to learn and even that to me is like lower on the priority. I'm going to hear different perspectives. I guess, you know, learning, not necessarily craft, but learning how other people, especially from people in, you know, diverse backgrounds for me, how they're approaching um, their work and in learning from them because yeah. it's a totally different perspective and even in different genres. So I think, yeah, you're going to meet people and just, you know, hang out yeah, and be with people who are doing the thing you love. It's funny because I've only been to two. I almost am embarrassed to admit this. I've only been to two conferences because I'm mm -hmm. a relatively new writer. The first one was mm -hmm. a writer's digest thing in LA. And the second was thriller fest in 2019. And the great thing about that is to pimp that is the craft fest was 
oh my God, I couldn't get enough information in my brain fast enough. And then all the other things was just icing on the cake and the relationships and the friends that I made to this day are rock solid. And so I went back this past year and I said, you know, fooey, hooey, balooey on the craft fest. I just want to hang out in the bar and or coffee shop. And that's where all the that's where all the mm -hmm. business is done. I mean, mm -hmm. just so much fun. I'm such a huge fan. Now, one other thing, I mm -hmm. have not been to any noir at the bar, but dead gummit. I, I, there may be one in San Diego. If anybody's listening in the San Diego area, please let me know because I'm going to come. Oh, they're fun. But LA is notorious for them. So I just got to get off my ass and get up the road, up the five and be there in 90 minutes and check it out. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So Cottonmouth's awesome. Yes. This is also an instant hit. I'm just using it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you do it now because it's not technically out yet. So maybe it'll give me some good vibes. Well, it's out in my hand, girlfriend. Um, That's true. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, I have a feeling it's going to, no, I know it's going to do really, really good. And let's go ahead and dive into real bad things. Now, there's all kinds of things I could start to talking about. And I, I always try to challenge myself to go, I'll tell you how I felt and that I won't talk about the book specifically because I don't want mm -hmm. to give anything away. But um, here's here's what I enjoyed about it. Uh, it it reminded me of kind of a whole lot of my growing up, sadly or joyfully enough? Question mark. <laughs> it can be both. It can yeah. be both. It was sadly joyful. Um, the only thing difference is I was I grew up in a, a preacher's home, so there was a lot of that same still dysfunction. <laughs> but let's talk about it. Where where did this come from? Something tells me it was very close to you. I, so it's so with all my books, I feel like I start them so long ago with disparate pieces from different things. So one of the the number one things was that my my dad tells the best stories. And he's my favorite storyteller. And he doesn't even mean to. It's just his personality. If you talk to him, he'll immediately just start telling you a story. And they're ridiculous and funny. Um but he he would always send me texts about weird things like, oh, yeah, you know, they found another body down in, <laughs> in the bottoms. And I'm like, oh, cool. That's awesome. You know, so um, I didn't even know I had taken in this information, but I was texting with him one day and he's like, oh, yeah, I told you that about that down at the bottoms. And I was like, that's where I got it from. So this idea of. I, I was always obsessed with Lock and Dam 13 in Barling, Arkansas. We used to go there. You know, my stepbrother got my stepmom's Camaro stuck in the sand and it was this big family drama. So it's like the Lock and Dam has lots of drama. And um, because it's also that fear of the dam of going past the ropes and getting sucked in. And so I've always had a fear of drowning. And so that's a piece of it. Um, but also just thinking about it, I was like, it really comes down thinking about simple things, right? It comes down to, I had a stepfather who was a real son of a bitch. <laughs> God, I wouldn't mind if he was dead, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> <So> <laughs> you know, and that's kind of how my brain works. It's never something really succinct. It's just like, yeah, okay, yeah. let's throw it in a pot and see what happens. Sure. Draft four. <laughs> emotional gumbo go ahead <laughs> yes yes <laughs> that that's what it was and yeah. so i just started writing it and it was kind of a piece of a dead draft and then another piece of a dead draft and added those into the pot too just to see what would happen and and actually a lot came from both of those abandoned drafts and are now in real bad things I don't throw away anything. Okay, let's take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to read a little excerpt from Real Bad Things. Stay with us. It's Kelly J. Ford on The Thriller Zone. One of the nice things about having a podcast is not only do I get to do what I absolutely love to do, but I get to influence a lot of people who are looking for other services. What do I mean by that? I was talking to a friend the other day, last week, and they said, hey, I heard you've got a really cool website. I, I went by it and I checked it out, and I see that it's really kind of slick. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I said, why? They said, well, 
you know, I'm trying to get into the writing business. I was wondering what you thought about the company you're working with. I'm like, authorbytes.com. They said, yeah, I heard you talk about it on the podcast. And I said, well, dude, he's a good friend, so I can call him dude. If you know anything about me, I don't talk about stuff unless I actually use it and I like it. And I use them and I like them. And, you know, they're top of the game and they really know what they're doing. It's efficient. It's attractive. It's professional. It's secure. All the things that you're looking for when you get a website, right? And uh, I think he walked away pretty convinced that he's going to sign up with AuthorBytes.com. Here's what I'm getting at. If you, like my friend, John, are looking at building a website, just leave it to the guys at AuthorBytes.com. And I'm going to go one better. Sign up for a one-year contract. You got to do that anyway, right? Right? I mean, you're, you're not just going to go, oh, I'm going to try something for 30 days. Not when you're building a top shelf website. You got to put the time in, right? So sign up for a one-year contract. Easy. Get three months free. Yeah. Oh, one more thing. Use the code, the thriller zone for that three months free. Authorbytes.com. Can I read just a tiny little oh, bit? Sure. Because you just said something that made me think. In the prologue, it, the book starts this way. Away from the bridge, the river smells of the cottonwoods that grow along the banks. Cattails brush your calves and ankles. A lone whippoorwill calls out. This distant water sounds of white noise, a lullaby for sleep. Closer to the dam, the song turns. Closer, tires thump when they hit different sections of the bridge. The water churns, closer, closer. The concrete and steel structure sucks the water into its mouth, makes it scream, leaves the words, the world that came before, behind. Or plunges into the water, your teeth chatter, your arms ache, wind hints the scree of the skin, the night warm, the water cold. And it just keeps going. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God, the way it just kind of pulls you in and just does oh, this long, you. slow thing. And all of a sudden, you know, down there, the roar louder, it's going to, and then, and then it does, it just kind of sucks you in both lyrically, uh, literally, and metaphorically. It's well, it's a, thank you. Yeah. That was an amazing reading too. You should yeah. read all my stuff. <laughs> Gosh, you're good at it. <laughs> well, thank you. That uh, I was a little bit off the cuff, but I. Uh, that's one of the things I loved about this is that uh, you know w when when I was reading this, I was hearing my grandmother. Now, this is I grew up in North Carolina. North Carolina is a little bit different from Arkansas, not only just dialect, but sensibilities, etc. But I could just hear my father's mother speak. She used to have this. She used to run um, a, a bait and tackle shop in her basement, so she sold. Oh, amazing. Uh, uh, bloodworms and crickets by the bag full. And so she'd sit on the porch and just tell these stories. Mm -hmm. And while you'd hear this, you know, to go down and get crickets in her basement, you'd open this thing It's all painted on the side so they couldn't get up and you'd just yeah. scoop them out and put them in a bag and go on your way. But so that's some of the way that's that amazing. I, yeah. <laughs> and those stories that she'd tell just the way she grew up, she died at 103. Oh my gosh. And, uh, my point being, the lyricism and the cadence was so is so profound in real bad things, and it really just kind of sweeps you away to yesteryear. I loved it. Thank you. Yeah, I've always trying. I'm always trying to capture my dad around and that feeling around a campfire, and also like everyone in my family, not just my dad, like my grandma Ford and my grandma Sue, both of my grandmothers. Um, we're both big storytellers. And I mean, whenever I read books, you know, and anyone's like, oh, you won't believe this. It's outlandish. And I'm like, wow, you've never really sat with my grandma or my dad because <laughs> the most outlandish things are the ones that are true. But, it, you know, we all joke. We're like, if you put this in a book, nobody would believe it. But those are the fun story. That sounds terrible. Fun. Right. It's murder. But that those are the stories that just really hook me. Yeah. And Kelly murder can be fun. <laughs> You've been talking to Amina too much. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. You made me think about something when, when you're growing up and you, you know, you're the, the parents are at the parents table, the adult tables and the kids are at the kids yeah. table. And you overhear the stories when you're a kid, you do this. 
Oh, God damn. They're going to tell that story again. Uh, mm -hmm. But then when you grow up later, you go, man, I wish I'd paid a little bit more attention because some of those stories are great. And then you, when you become a writer 30 years later, you go, why didn't I pay more attention and remember yeah. some of it? Yeah. You know, I, I videotaped my grandparents oh. and I, I get video of my dad anytime I'm home. We'll just be playing dominoes and he'll be jawing. And then I'll put it my iPhone up and hit record. And he's like, you record me? Anyway, as I was saying, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so I, I highly recommend it because you're right. I mean, those, those stories are, you know, our traditions and um, yeah, I'm such a huge fan of family stories. You know, uh, you, you talk about your grandma. I'm like, oh, tell me all about your grandma's story. Yeah, right. So yeah, those are the, that's what draws me in for sure. Uh, here's a funny little story since you leaned in and you did that. She was five. She was four foot 11 and wow. she was deaf in one ear because she used to swim in a, she, the carnivals that would come through town. She would swim underwater in a tank and let people watch her. You know, she'd do underwater ac wow. acrobatics. So she blew out one of her eardrums once. And so she said, I'm telling the story. Incredible. Yeah. What it's like going along with the carnivals and so forth. And, you know, Life was just so simple. We weren't so distracted by these, God bless, these little uh, <laughs> uh, machines and our computers in our hands. And uh, that's the one thing that I, I really try to force myself to do on a regular basis is disconnect because it's so easy. And it Kelly, you just, you know, between your swiping and your liking and your all that bullshit, you just want to go, how about I just go out and enjoy the sound of the breeze and the trees in an afternoon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I basically live in the middle of a state park, I guess <laughs> you, it's not a state park, but it could be, you know? Um, so, but yeah, it is, I, I do find it hard because I feel like, you know, I'm not full-time in it anymore, but I'm part-time and often it feels like I'm still full-time because I'm on that digital leash and it's really hard after working, 25 more years in nine to five jobs. It's really hard for me to shut off that. I need to be online. I need to be checking what if somebody needs something from me. So um, really the only, the only time that I truly um, make sure I have in the morning, it's sacred is workout time. I hate it. It's absolutely the worst. <laughs> but I do work out for 30 minutes and I do some neck exercises because I'm getting old. And, you know, the one thing I did buy, oh God, and this sounds so bougie, but I bought myself a massage chair. Uh-huh. That home. is bougie. Because <laughs> I was just like, you know what? My neck always hurts. I'm always having to do neck exercises. My back always hurts. And I don't like people touching me, <laughs> you know, I don't want to go get a massage. Yeah. Um, so I was like, you know what, this is the one thing I'm going to give to myself. And then I'm going to try to write it off on my taxes as an author expense because it's pain. hundred <laughs> <So>, percent. <laughs> I got an FDA approved one just for this purpose. I'm like, <laughs> just in case, because what? I'm a planner. <laughs> so, Girlfriend. It does wonders. Now, Everyone should get one if you can. <laughs> all right, here's my question, because I went to a convention where they had the gray big, uh, we call them Barca loungers, but they're, they're not mm -hmm. those. But they were a full body from the top of the base of your neck all the way down to your legs. Do you have one of those where you sit in and it kind of it kind of yeah. cups you? Oh, my. Zero gravity. Girl, they're expensive, too. I know. But it's your health, honey. It's your it, It's my health. And I used a work bonus for it. <laughs> and it is tax deductible. And it is maybe tax deductible. Fingers well, crossed. So. Uh, let me ask you this. Can you write? This is so fun. This is my show. I can do what I want to do, right? Can you write off your stand-up desk? Check. Yes. Can, can you write off your computers that you write on? Absolutely. Check. All right. Papers and pens and computers and keyboards. Well, that is a tool it's a restorative tool, Kelly. And a books are too. See? Book purchases. 
Mm-hmm. I have friends who are into, it's so funny. We were talking to some non-writer people and we were going, me and my friend, Rachel Berenbaum, who wrote Atomic Am- Anna, which is amazing. Uh, we were, we were like, oh yeah. And you can itemize this and this and this. And they're like, oh my God, you guys are the nerdiest, nerdiest people. This is what being an author is. No, thank you. <laughs> and I'm like, we're good for your taxes. That no, lit- they, were, they were awesome people. <laughs> By the way, you have given me so much, so I'm much. A name yeah, but that's a good thing because where do we get our inspiration for reading other people? Matter of fact, wait a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to distract myself by pulling it up. This week, this past week alone, no less than three times did someone hit my Twitter, only one of whom I knew, said, thanks to your podcast, The Thriller Zone, insert plug here. Um, I have been turned on to a new writer. I so enjoyed your podcast. I ha- One of them was Amina, uh, a fan mm-hmm. of listening to that show, said I had to go out and buy um, uh, her book because the interview was so good. So yeah. we're, doing, we're doing good here, Kelly. It's good stuff. And these are good people who have amazing books. Yeah. I wouldn't well, recommend someone I didn't enjoy. Well, not, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you wouldn't recommend a wine that you liked, uh, that you didn't like, you know. Oh, hey, listen, there's this real piece of shit wine. You'd really uh, <laughs> hate it, but, you know. You'll remember me, and I don't want that on my conscience. <laughs> I got a gummy for you. Anyway, all right, before we uh, head on down to rapid fire questions, and you kind of touched on this earlier, but I want to be more poignant because I know you're only two books in and working on your third mm-hmm. But I can tell these 48 minutes in that there's great insight in you. And I want to know, it's one of my favorite questions. I end all my shows with it. I like to ask all the authors, what's that single best piece of advice that you would give aspiring writers? And you can take a moment to think about it if you need. I don't need to, honestly. Okay. (laughs) Because it's always the same thing. And for me, it's tenacity. And that always beats talent for me always because i feel like you can you can learn talent you can become talented with enough go get them and practice i mean maybe i'll never be you know if i practiced and practiced i'd never be great at basketball but right. you know i could say i have a talent for a certain type of basketball maybe amateur (laughs) i don't know anyway but um yeah so i think you know tenacity was is the thing that i think keeps a lot of writers from publishing and reaching their dreams because it's so easy to get overwhelmed as i mentioned we talked about and to let that rejection really sink you and i i let it sink me for many years, I went without writing for maybe two years after really harsh feedback from someone that I had trusted. Um, and unfortunately, I believed it. Um, but I'm lucky I came out of it and I had a good community to help me understand like, no, that's not that wasn't good feedback. <laughs> that was something entirely different. But um you know, and just the tenacity and the will to revise and revise and revise and get it to the story you want it to be. Um, but yeah, I just, I never, again, it took me when we're talking about the very first time I really thought about cotton mouse, it was like a 20 year journey, that book. You know, and it, it's a totally different book from this the kernel of an idea it started with. But I just never stopped believing that this is something that I didn't even believe it was something that could be published. But it's almost like people were telling me I could be published. And it was almost that competitive nature I have where it's like, I'm going to get it published, but I'm going to show you it can't get published. <laughs> you know, like I'm from Arkansas. We have an inferiority complex. Um, so just keeping on and just being like, and then it turned into more competitive of, oh, I'm definitely going to get this published. Uh, and if I don't get it published, I'm going to at least show that I had, you know, like Eli, 200 rejections. My right. God. 
But I think a lot of people quit after even 10 rejections and are unwilling to touch the work and make it something that maybe we didn't think it was, right? And so that outside view is so important, but just being that that person who can take that feedback in and go back to the page and be willing to tear it apart if necessary, just like that tenacity, like tear through it and get through it and uh, keep going without it letting it sink you. Yeah. I'm always amazed at how quickly people are ready to give up just because someone somewhere said something that sounded like, no, you suck. And It's just an opinion. What does that really matter? And I think what I always do, uh, even on a subconscious level, I turn around and go, oh, oh, you just don't really want it that badly. That's that's the way I always think. I mean, maybe maybe you just don't want it that badly. And And then fear. Yeah, as well. Yeah, I think I've run across people that are as afraid of succeeding as they were of failing. And I thought that's an interesting. (laughs) That's fascinating. But I believe it. Because yeah. humans are strange creatures, and that's what makes them so interesting to write, especially psychological suspense and thrills. So, Yeah. All right. Well, girl, you know what that noise means. I have heard this noise. Rapid fire questions. This is going to be fun and easy and fast. Number one, sweet tea or lemonade? Oh, sweet tea. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Ribs or fried chicken? Oh, fried chicken. My grandmother, by the way, I still have her iron skillet. Yeah, you did. Season before you were born. Season before (laughs) I was even a sparkle in my daddy's eye. Um, And boy, the way she cooked fried chicken and then she'd lay it up on the side. And oh, that's how I learned how to do it. All right. Sorry. Green beans or collard greens? Mm, Depends on who's making the collard greens. (laughs) I'm making if them. It, if, right. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to, you'll have to invite me over. I'll have to eat them. Cornbread or biscuits? Oh, that's real hard. Oh, probably cornbread. With corn in it? Oh, I mean, I'll take it, whatever. I'm, I'm with jalapenos. Just give it to me. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> butter, as long as there's butter. There you go. Moon pie or little Debbie's? didn't eat either of those really oh okay well you can't those answer were that. fancy snacks <laughs> yeah we were real rich uh here's personal one pjs or birthday suit oh pjs all the time oh, okay and on a more serious note you and your wife are on a road trip you get to pick the music what will it be and it could be a long road trip so you get to pick all the music but you know it could be a, an artist or a genre you don't have to get crazy about it well, we've gone on a big road trip and we listened to our playlist we curated for our wedding dinner. So it, it's got, you know, you're sitting there, you're eating your steak or, you know, your your pasta veggie dish. And you've got, you know, the Rolling Stones going into Ray LaMontagne, going on to Joan Baez into maybe a little The Weeknd. I mean, it's it's all it's all about a feeling. So my wife is a musician, so wow. uh, she's basically my personal composer. So that's what we would put on because it's very uh, it, it, it's a reminder of a really wonderful day with our family and friends, but also just really great music. You just, I just had another idea. I'm always looking for bits to add to the show. Cause I, mm-hmm. I did radio for 25 years. So, um, I'm going to create one called your favorite soundtrack and we're going to start swapping soundtracks. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. There you yeah, go. Yeah. You can make them public. Yeah, there you go. Uh, what's on your nightstand or TBR list right now? Just, it can be one or two books, something that you're reading. You're like, wow, it's blowing your socks off. Oh gosh. I'm reading one right now, but I interrupted it. I can't remember it. To okay. S- save my life. Um, I have a ton of books on my TBR. I, um, do a lot of digital reading at night, but um, I'm still trying to think of that book. <laughs> but I have all these books. Anytime I go into Boston, I'm just going to turn around and see. I'm like, oh, yeah, I read that. Um, let's see. What do I have here? I have so many books I have to get to. Um, I think probably the next one will be My Heart is a Chainsaw. My Heart is a Chainsaw. By Stephen Graham Jones. Yeah. Um, that, sorry. <laughs> I'm in a rolly chair. <laughs> no, that's good. I love it. Um, 
it's been on me. I bought it so long ago and it's been on my list, but I've been reading a lot of things for editing and revision. You know how sometimes we do that. And so I've really wanted to get to that because it's horror and I haven't grew up with that and I haven't had a chance to really read it a lot lately. I'm running out of space on my pad, <laughs> <know>. girlfriend. <laughs> Tenth and final. I never go ten, but you're so delightful. You get to invite two people, two people to a backyard cookout. They can be living or past. Who would they be and why? Oh, no, I want to fit three people. You can do three. I'm going to allow three this one time. No, I won't do it. I'll, I'll stick with it. Um, <laughs> Sean Cosby okay. and DJ Vernon. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> because the two of them, I mean, they, they're pals, too. They're close. And... Um, just, I don't know if you've ever met Sean in person or heard him on a video, but he is precisely who he is. <laughs> yep. So that he reminds me so much of that storytelling tradition around a fire where yeah. you're, I'm like, he's like that uncle who is going to tell you the real good stories. Like once, once grandma goes to bed, yeah. you know, and then you're going to get the good shit. And he is so funny and um, such a great time to be around. And then PJ is I, I love that guy. We've become, so, yes, we have become very close friends and um, he is one of the funniest people I know. And he's from the South and oh, we're yeah. all from the South. So it's like, I feel like it's a threes company of oddballs yeah. <laughs> just hooting and hollering and eating way too much cornbread. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Greens. PJ was on the show early on and bathhouse was a riveting read. He's so delightful. So funny. Uh, Sean, I did meet at uh, thriller fest this year. We exchanged information. I haven't gotten him on the show yet, but I look forward to that day. He, I, and you're right. You nailed it because, and I think that's a greatest compliment you could pay anyone. And I hope we all are that way that when you see the person, you are seeing who they really are and the essence of them shines through because that's the fingerprint that we should leave behind, you know, mm -hmm. not, not what we're pretending yeah. to be. And there's such great people. I wouldn't want to have a camp out or a camp out. That's a totally different level. Wait a, a minute. Out. I know. <laughs> Dolly back. Um, <laughs> yeah. A, a camp out. No, I keep saying it. Yeah. Oh no. A cookout. <laughs> I don't want to camp out with them. I mean, I would. They're fun. Um, a cookout with anyone I don't know because I'm too anxious. Can you imagine Kevin? It hard. <laughs> can you imagine having a camp out with PJ Vernon? I mean, come on. I mean, I can, honestly. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. Yeah. Us. It's going to happen. And we're both going to be like, ah, bugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll start with the cookout and work our way up to a camp out. Yes. Folks, if you want to learn more about Kayla J. Ford and this book, Real Bad Things, go to KellyJFord.com. Follow her on Twitter at Kelly underscore J underscore Ford. Feels, feels like I should. Dun, 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 <laughs> Kelly underscore J underscore. <laughs> I'm insane. You'd think I had a gummy. Boy. Yeah, maybe I will when I hang up. Uh, this was so much fun. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Yes, oh. thanks for having me on. This was really fun. Oh, I hope it wasn't scary. I don't think anybody got no, hurt. not at all. Nobody got misaligned. Or... I didn't roll off the loft into, you know, the downstairs, so we're good. We didn't have to break out the rated R uh, sticker. Um, I mean, we're such good people. <laughs> I mean, there's still time. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, once again delightful. Uh, I wish you the best. We, we know another one's in the works. I did not snag from you the title of it. If you have it yet, is it? Yeah. The working title is the hunt. The hunt that is just rife with possibility. Right. Yeah. And it involves a radio station. So you'll definitely want me back on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. All right, Kelly. Uh, Again, thank you and uh, enjoy your week. We look forward to hearing more from you. Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks once again to Kelly J. Ford and her book, Real Bad Things, something you'll want to add to your summer reading. 
Now, coming up later this week on Thursday, our regularly scheduled Thursday Thriller Zone, special guest, a gentleman I've been trying to get on the show for some time, Nick Petrie, has a book called The Runaway. And if I'm guessing, it's going to be a runaway hit. See what I did there? So... (laughs) Quick thank you to all of my sponsors for the show, warwicks.com, authorbytes.com, and you, my listener, who always takes time to listen to this podcast. Trust me when I say I couldn't do it without you, without your support, your kind words, your kind reviews, your notes to me on Twitter, Instagram, and our website, thethrillerzone.com. I got some reading to do, so I'm going to head on to it. And I'll see you next time for another edition of The Thriller Zone. Your favorite authors, The Thriller Zone. The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.